Inshallah, we continuing with our Durus from Kitab Tawheed, Alladhi Huwa Haqqullah Al-Abid, and today, Inshallah, we're going to start the 8th chapter. Bab ma jaa fi al-ruqa wa tamaim what has been mentioned regarding ruqa and tamaim. The, again, subhanAllah, the, 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 the chapter heading is kind of lost in translation. But they didn't translate ma jaa fi ruqa wa tamaim. They didn't translate ma jaa. So what has been mentioned regarding ruqa and tamaim? What has been mentioned? Maybe you want to add this in the in the heading. What has been mentioned regarding al ruqa wa tamaim? Al ruqa wa tamaim. Al ruqa. They tell you what al ruqa is. Incantation. Al ruqa. We'll explain what al ruqa is. What tamaim? Ma jaa fi ruqa wa tamaim. Fahiyah, again, what's the relevance of this chapter to the, to the book? That the Shaykh again is mentioning the things which go against the Tawheed. The things which go against Tawheed. And from those things are Ruqya and At-Tama'im. These things, subhanAllah, if they are done, that they can go against, they can go against the Tawheed. And Ar-Ruqa, like we'll, we'll quickly go over what Ar-Ruqa is. is the plural of what? Ar-Ruqa is the plural of Ar-Ruqya. We all know Ar-Ruqya, sah? We all know Ruqya, and Ruqya is what they call Ta'awuz Lafzi. Ta'awuz Lafzi, the thing that you recite on your, on your tongue, which you seek protection with. And we're not specifically saying that it is from the Qur'an here, but we're going to get to that. So this is just generally speaking what a Ruqya is. It's something that you utter and you, you incant, I suppose, Allah Alam. From the incantation, Allah Alam, what it is that you say, and, and you seek protection from it, and it has a, an element of what they call a nafs. And nafth is, is the dry spitting. And a tamima is, is the opposite of this. Yana tamima is, we already know this is something which is attached or which is hung. And subhanAllah, and they do it with the intention of bringing about good or, or preventing evil or averting evil. And subhanAllah, some of the, the, the scholars, they mentioned that a tamima is, is specifically in written form. Is in written form. It's like to seek protection in written form. So that means the difference now between a ruqa and a tamaim would be what? One of them is is pronounced and one of them is is written but the intention of both of them is what is to seek protection from the evil and then he said ma jaa it doesn't have it here subhanallah but if you look at the arabic here ma jaa fi ruqa wa tamaim over here in english it just says ruqa talismans and amulets and that's all it says but ma jaa and the sheikh here he means by ma jaa yani ma jaa what has been narrated regarding the prohibited aspects of these things what has been narrated of the prohibited aspects of al-ruqa and al-tama'im. And we'll come to see the division of al-ruqa, how it's been divided, and al-tama'im, how they have been divided. And if you notice in the previous chapter, what did the Shaykh say? The first thing he said in the chapter title, what was it? He said, min al-shirk. He said, min al-shirk. Lups al-khayt wal-halaqa. Yes, he said, min al-shirk. He specifically mentioned that it is from al-shirk. But did he say here that it is from shirk? He didn't mention that it's from shirk here because there's a bit of tafsir. We have to go a little bit deeper in because there are aspects of, of the, of the ruqa which are not shirk. There are aspects of the ruqya which are not shirk. And there are aspects of the tamima which are not shirk but they are prohibited. They are prohibited but they are not shirk. 
There's a difference between the two. So he didn't specify min shirk because there are some aspects of them which are shirk and some aspects of them which are not shirk but they may be haram or they may be prohibited. وعن أبو بشير الأنصاري رضي الله عنه أنه كان مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في بعض أسفاره فأرسل رسولا أن لا يبقين في رقبة بعير قلادة من وتر أو قلادة إلا قطعت Abu Bashir al-Ansari radiallahu anhu, he narrates that he was in the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on one of his journeys and Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent a messenger ordering there shall not remain any necklace of bowstring or any other kind of necklaces around the necks of the camels except that it is cut off. Rawahu al-Bukhari wa Muslim fi sahihain wa fi sahihain Abu Bashir al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu is an Ansari and from Al-Madinah and subhanAllah the Sahaba when they when they talk about the Sahaba one of the things that they always mention is mathalan shahida this ghazwa or he shahida, shahida this battle or he, he was participated in this battle and one of the battles that he participated in was ghazwatul khandaq ghazwatul khandaq radiyallahu anhu and he died when he was around 60 years old Abu Bashir al-Ansari the Prophet sallallahu was on one of his asfar asfar is the plural of Safar, one of his, his expeditions that the Prophet sallallahu he wasn't mentioned. Maybe it was subhanAllah for jihad, and maybe this is why he ordered them to do it. Because what he ordered them to do, you would do, mathalan, if you were facing an enemy, you would want this thing to happen to you. And they said the safar is called a safar. The verb safara means to, to unveil and to uncover. And the Arabs, subhanAllah, they used to call it safar because they said that when you travel with someone, that means their true character is what? Is uncovered. He's uncovered. You just need to know, you need to travel with someone and you know the reality of this person. And they also used to call it as-safar because the person, they, they are like, they are uncovered essentially from their, from their place of residence. So he sent someone, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and la yabqayanna fi raqabati ba'irin qilada. And al-qilada is what they used to hang around the neck of the camel. This is what's called a qilada. This qilada that we're talking about here is specifically, it was hung around the, the neck of the camel as, مثلاً, as a means of averting harm of the camel. So the, the camel is not affected in any way by any harm. It is essentially a form of tamim which is hung around the camel. He said here, qiladatun min watarin. Al-watar, al-watar is the bowstring. So subhanAllah, they would, would take it off their bows and they would wrap it around their camels. They would wrap around their camels as a, a form of protection. And then he says here, aw qiladatun. So he says, qiladatun min watarin. Look at the Arabic. He says, qiladatun min watarin aw qilada. Aw qilada. This aw means or. And this is what they call in Mustalah al-Hadith. This is called shakkun min al-rawi. Shakkun min al-rawi. The rawi couldn't remember what he heard. Which rawi it is in the Sanad, we're not sure. Did he say qilada min watar or did he just say qilada? But in this case, subhanAllah, if it was just a qilada, that means all the qilada should be taken off regardless. Or if it was a qilada min watar, that means only the qilada that were made from bowstrings should be taken off. Because these are the ones that were specifically used to prevent the evil. But على كل حال, the Prophet ordered that the qilada be taken off. لا يبقين في رقبة بعير. الرقبة is the neck, and the بعير is is the camel. This used to be common amongst the Arab at those times. So this doesn't mean that the ruling is only for what, for camels. That means only if you have a camel that you should only remove the qilada off the camel. But it's applicable to any animal. It's applicable to a horse. It's applicable to a sheep. It's applicable to whatever. Subhanallah. Even مثلاً, in your car now, if you hang something on your car, it's the same ruling, subhanAllah. But it's because in, this, in those days, the qilada was very common that they would hang it around the camel because the camel was one of their most prized possessions. 
for they believed that by hanging this thing around their neck that they would seek protection for their camels. And then the general meaning of the hadith that on one of his journeys and expeditions the Prophet ﷺ sent word out amongst his companions announcing, announcing that all necklaces attached to the camels should be removed. People used to believe that such necklaces would guard the camel against harm or the evil eye. The Prophet ﷺ commanded the removal of these necklaces because of the practice of hanging them is shirk. And yeah, now the relevance of the hadith to the of the chapter is very straightforward. That the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Illa quti'at. Illa quti'at. That these strings should all be cut off. They should all be removed. But this goes to show what? That this practice is haram. Otherwise the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't have ordered for them to be cut. So subhanAllah, we, like we mentioned before, you need to look at all the hadith together. So this is a form of tamima. So it doesn't specifically mention in this hadith that it is shirk. But we combine all the hadith of hanging which specifically mention that they are shirk. Or, there's a, or specifically mention that it is prohibited. And we can come up with a ruling. The ruling is shirk. That if you hang it up and the Prophet ﷺ has ordered you not to hang it up. And then in the next other narration he has specifically mentioned that it is shirk. Then we know that it is shirk. And the category of shirk, it differs. Either major or minor. Either major or minor. Major if they believe that this thing within itself is the one that averts the evil, then they have committed major shirk. They have committed major shirk. And if they believe that this was merely a cause, which but the final يعني, protection comes from Allah and this is a cause, then they have committed minor shirk because they have taken a cause which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger have not legislated as being a legitimate cause. عن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه أنه سمع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن الرقى والتمائم والتولة شرك. ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه he narrated that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن الرقى والتمائم والتولة شرك. الرقى والتمائم والتولة are all acts of shirk. رواه أحمد وأبو داود أن الحديث ينرأي next to it this hadith is صحيح. And then here, subhanAllah, the Shaykh, he has some, mashallah, he gives a sharh of this particular hadith. He gives a sharh of this particular hadith. We'll read it very quickly. At-tama'im is the act of putting an amulet around the necks of children to save them from the effects of evil eye. If the amulet contains the verses of the Qur'an or Allah's names or attributes, then it is allowed by some ancestors, yani salaf, and disallowed by some. Ibn Mas'ud who was amongst those who disapproved of it. Al-Ruqa or Al-Azaim is the act of reciting incantations, charm, etc. These, those are allowed in which there is no trace of shirk. The Prophet ﷺ has permitted it in, in the case of being bitten by a poisonous insect or disturbed under the effects of the evil eye. And Atiwala or bewitchment is something done by those who claim that it can cause a woman to be more beloved by her husband or vice versa. So yeah, we'll quickly look at Ruqa again. Here we said a plural of al-ruqya. And as then mentioned by the author, it's also called what? Al-azaim. Al-azaim. This is another name for al-ruqya. And then he mentions here that it is, the Shaykh also mentioned it's a ritual recitation of the Quran for those suffering disease or affliction. We've taken al-ruqya before. But see, the problem is, what does the Prophet say? He said, al-ruqya what? Al-ruqya shirk. He's saying al-ruqya is shirk. For this one, again, we have to look at the hadith which go together. For here, subhanAllah, it's allowed. We've taken this before. Because he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لا رقية إلا من عين أو حمة. That means there's no ruqya except for, for عين or حمة. And there's no ben, more, more thing beneficial for العين, and to be cast by the evil eye, or الحمة by favor, than, than ruqya. So we know that this ruqya which is allowed is the ruqya which is done by the Qur'an. 
which is done with the Quran and the authentic hadith of the Prophet wasallam. This is what is, this is what is permissible. So the one that he is talking about here, inna ruqa shirk, is what is the ruqya, the incantation, which contains what elements of shirk, part of it or all of it. Whether it's Subhanallah al fadl shirkiya, they they recite it and they say things which are, yani, they seek refuge in other than Allah subhanahu wa taala or or a dua or something along these lines, and then they spit and they put it on the person, whatever it may be. This is from the, the shirkiyat, the ruqa, which are shirk, the ones that he's specifically referring to in this hadith. And then he said, at-tama'im, as again mentioned by the author, which is, a, which is an amulet or a talisman, we've taken this before. And then he said, he specifically mentioned here that it is worn around the necks of the children. It can be worn around the necks of the children, it can be worn around the necks of anyone, subhanAllah. Maybe he mentioned it because it was specifically done and hung around the necks of the children. And then, like we said, yani it's, it's warned toward against the evil, evil effects of the evil eye. Yani supposedly that it protects the person from the effects of al-ayn. And then the Shaykh, he mentioned, subhanAllah, that yani some scholars, they allowed. They allowed a tamima. Remember we said that a tamima could be in written form. He said that some, some scholars yani of the Salaf, they allowed the, the, the tamima which is hung, which has the elements of, yani is has got Qur'an written on it, or it's got the names of Allah written on it. He said some of them allowed it, but he said Ibn Mas'ud was those who forbade it and said that it is haram. And we're going to have a look at this, inshallah. And then at-tiwala is something which is hung, which, which is hung, and subhanAllah, Prophet specifically mentioned it, again, because it was prevalent. Yeah, otherwise, it falls under tiwala. It is a form of tiwala, something which is hung, but the intention of it is what? The intention is, subhanAllah, you hang it up, not to prevent evil or to bring about good, is what? Is to make the husband more beloved to his wife and the wife more beloved to her husband. So they hang something around their neck and, and this thing will attract the husband or this thing will attract the wife. For a tiwala, there's no form of a tiwala which is permissible. This one is because, as we as we'll come to know, it contains elements of what? Sihr as well. It contains elements of sihr. And he said, Inna al-ruqa wa tamaim wa tiwala shirk. He said they are shirk. So if it's a ruqa which has, has elements of shirkiyya, we say what those elements of shirk are. Are they minor shirk or are they major shirk? Same thing with the tamima. What did they intend with this tamima? Did they intend for it to be a cause or did they intend for it to benefit from it? Yani the tamima itself? And at-tiwala is, is straight out shirk. It's straight out shirk. There's no aspects of at-tiwala which are allowed, subhanAllah. But we'll, quickly just, we'll just quickly summarize. For al-ruqa, there are two types of al-ruqa, shar'iyya and shirkiyya. Shari'iyya means what? Shari'iyya, according to the Sharia, mashallah. Pure, uh, Quran, Sunnah, you blow into it, into the water, or on the person, or in your hands. All of this is established, yes? Even something said with Zayt al-Zaytun, or with Zamzam, or any of these aspects, you can use a ruqya shari'iyya, which has, for the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ayat al-Kursi, and the last two ayat of Surah al-Baqarah, and Qul'adhu Rabbi al-Falaq, and Qul'adhu Rabbi al-Nas, and Surah al-Fatiha. This is a legitimate source of a ruqya, and you can use it for al-ayn, or you can use it for, mathalan, if you have a sickness, or you can use it, mathalan, whatever, subhanAllah. So there's a ruqya is a shari'iyya, and shirkiyya, shirkiyya is the one which contains, which contains the alfaz which are shirk, the alfaz which, which are shirk, mathalan, seeking assistance in other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For this one is what the hadith is referring to. Yes, in al ruqa shirk. And then At-Tama'im are also classified as two categories as well. They are also in two categories, At-Tama'im. But this one now is not Shari'iyya and Shirkiyya. What are they? They're Shirkiyya and Muharrama. Shirkiyya and Muharrama. The Shirkiyya ones are the ones which are 
have no aspect of, of written Quran, whether it's a necklace or whether it's a, it's a wada' or whether it's a, whatever is hung up, then this one is pure shirkiya, whether it's minor shirk or major shirk, depending on what the person intended with it. And then the muharrama, the muharrama, the correct opinion, the most correct opinion, regardless of the khilaf that went around it, the most correct opinion it is that is what? The one for the Quran and the one with the, the names of Allah is that it is, it is prohibited. Not, not because it is shirkiyyah. This is why they, they didn't classify it as, as shirkiyyah. Because the, the Quran, there is cure in the Quran. There is cure in the Quran. But it says it's prohibited because it's a dhari'ah. It's a dhari'ah. It's a door which leads to shirk. For today he might hang the, the one with the Quran and tomorrow he'll hang the shaitan will play with him and he'll hang the one which is not the Quran. For he says, saddan dhari'ah. That means we close all the avenues, we, we obstruct all the avenues which lead to which led to shirk. And they said also to protect, what did they say? Yani to protect the Qur'an from innovative practices. Well, subhanAllah, the Qur'an is not made to be hung like on the walls or on your cell phone. The Qur'an is, is there to be recited and to be benefited and to be understood. And the benefit of the Qur'an is where? In the hearts of the people, subhanAllah. In the hearts of the people, in them understanding and implementing the Qur'an. But the most correct opinion in this regard is what? Is that it is muharram. It is muharram. It is not permissible. But it doesn't mean it is shirk. It is just prohibited. And then at-tiwala is just shirkiyya. All forms of it are forbidden. But the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ affirms that reciting an illegal ruqya or attaching an amulet and referring to uh, and, and, and referring to sorcery, yani at-tiwala to repel harm or derive benefit are all acts of shirk. This is because none can guard against evil or bring benefit other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relevance of the hadith to the chapter, very straightforward. Shirk. He said shirk. They are shirk. And the illegal aspects of a ruqya as shirk, and the, the shirki aspects of a, a, a tamima as shirk, and a tiwala is shirk. وَعَنْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بِنْ عُكَيْمْ مَرْفُوعًا مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِ That the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِ That Abdullah ibn Ukaym, he narrates this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that he said, مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِ Whoever uses or attaches or wears a talisman to himself will have that talisman put in charge of him. will have that talisman put in charge of him. So inshallah, we'll just break down this hadith very quickly. Abdullah ibn Ukaym. Subhanallah, who they say, يعني, his, his full name is, his kunya was Abu, Abu al-Ma'bad al-Juhani. And subhanallah, he was alive in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the muhaddithin say that may, he didn't have, he didn't يعني, meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to hear a hadith from him. But this is, what, uh, this is how a sahabi is defined. For subhanAllah, how many people were alive in the times of the Prophet sallallahu How many people? But the ones that we classify as a sahabi are the ones that what? That met or saw the Prophet sallallahu or sat down with him. But it's not narrated that Abdullah ibn Uqaym actually sat down with the Prophet sallallahu or even met him. Because he was living in Al-Kufa. His, his place of residence was Al-Kufa, and in what's called Al-Iraq at the moment. For it was not, it's not يعني, known that he actually heard from the Prophet ﷺ. For this is why the Shaykh, rahimahullah, he says, if you read the English, and Abdullah ibn Ukaym, marfu' hadith. He says, in a marfu' hadith. يعني, marfu' to the Prophet ﷺ. فَكَأَنُّ the author is saying that the popular narration of this hadith is the narration of Abdullah ibn Ukaym. But the hadith is marfu' to the Prophet ﷺ via another narration. Is that clear? And it's as if he's saying the most popular narration is this one, but the more correct one that is actually goes up to the Prophet ﷺ is 
is via another narration. But he doesn't mention what this narration is. And then the Prophet says, Man they hang, they physically hang, and not just physically hang something, even subhanAllah, like this word could mean that their heart is attached to this thing. Their heart is attached to it. For they could hang something and their heart be attached to it, or it could be both of them. It could be both. For usually the one who hangs something, that means their heart is what? Is mu'allaq with this thing. They are dependent on this thing. They are dependent on this thing. To the extent that they have left Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no dependency on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they depend solely on this thing. They depend solely on this thing to either bring about good or that they avert harm. So if this was their intention, this is what the Prophet ﷺ is talking about here. For the person, subhanAllah, even if there's no mathalan, physical form of something which they are hanging, their heart is attached to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mathalan, a dead person or, or a wali which has passed away or whatever it may be, subhanAllah, this falls under this hadith as well. Yes, so the ta'alluq could be something physical, it could be something in the heart, it could be both of them together. And then when he says, man ta'allaqa shay'an, and this is for the ones who مثلاً, are learning Arabic, this is what's called nakira fi siyaq al-shart. Nakira fi siyaq al-shart. That means this is indefinite in the context of what? Of a conditional sentence. But this is a conditional sentence, isn't it? That whoever hangs this, this will happen to them. That whoever does this, this will happen to them. But if there's a nakira, if there's an indefinite in the context of a conditional sentence, then this is what they call is aam. This is general. That means if you hang anything, anything that you hang with this purpose and with this intention, then this will be the result of it. What is it? Wukila ilayh. Wukila ilayh. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put this thing in charge of them. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put this thing in charge of them. And he will make them so dependent on them. Until this is what will eventually destroy them. This will be the halak. The khudlan and the disgrace and the halak will be at the hands of this thing. Whether the khudlan in this dunya, but definitely in the akhirah. Nasallallahu alayhi wa sallam Man ta'allaqa shay'an wukila ilayhi, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. And then Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, this is just for the fa'idah, he said that there's three categories of being attached or, or of attachment to, to Allah or to other than Allah. There's three categories. Yes, the first one is the attachment which removes a person completely outside the fold of Islam. It removes what we said, Asl al-Tawheed. Asl al-Tawheed is what keeps you what? In the fold of Islam. For this one removes what? It removes Asl al-Tawheed. It's gone. Their heart is attached completely to this thing. Besides Allah, there's no Allah even in the equation. They are completely attached to this thing. And it is something which is forbidden, completely forbidden. And it cannot benefit them and it cannot harm them. Yet their heart is still attached to them. And they gave the example of the one who is attached to the qubur. The one who goes and makes sujood to the qabr. And the one who goes and asks sahib al-qabr. And the one who, for this one is what? This one is shirk akbar, this one. This one removes asl al-tawheed. The person who does this, they have no Islam. Even if they say la ilaha illallah, even if they pray five times a day, even if they pay their zakat, even if they go to hajj. There is no Islam for this person, subhanAllah. And then he said the second form of attachment is the one which يعني, it contradicts Kamal al-Tawheed. Remember we have Asl al-Tawheed and we have the perfection of Tawheed. The more things you do, the more your Tawheed is perfected. But if you reduce those things, it doesn't remove you outside the fold of Islam, but you've got to be careful. You've got to be very careful because when it starts being reduced, it may start what? Affecting 
affecting the asl. So you need like what they call the buffer zone. But this is what removes or contradicts kamal al-tawheed. Where a person has an attachment to the asbab, although they may be shari'i. For mathalan, they think that ma zamzam, they have, subhanallah, ma zamzam, they go and drink ma zamzam. And they say, zamzam, subhanallah, this zamzam is going to cure every disease that I have. Yes, and they don't say what? Bi'ithnillah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For their attachment is what? Is in the sabab itself. Is in the sabab. They say this sabab is the cause, and this is a, even though the sabab may be shari'i, it is legitimate, it is, it is acceptable. Or, مثلاً, honey, that this honey will cure me, or habb al-sawda, it will cure me completely. For all of these, the sabab is shari'i, but they what? They have an, a dependence on the sabab, not on musabib al-asbab, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the third one is the one which is, which complements the tawheed of a person, and this is where the person, they implement the asbab, they implement the asbab, the shari'i asbab, and their ta'alluq is with whom? Is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their ta'alluq is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They know that if they take this, this honey or this zamzam or this habb sawda or whatever it may be, the final result is with who? Is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can make this sabab work or he could make it not work. How many people, mathalan, they, they, they drink asal or they, they eat habb sawda and it does nothing to them, subhanallah. And how many people they drink and it, and, and it, and it, subhanallah, it affects them and it works. For this is all the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For keep your heart attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not, will not disgrace you. And then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informs us that if a person attaches their heart or their deeds to any false deity or object besides Allah, believing that it can bring benefit or avert harm, they will have that thing put in charge of them and deprived of Allah's compassion. However, whoever turns to Allah will have all their affairs accomplished and their hardships released. And then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter, that the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? What's the shahid in the hadith? Wukila ilayh. He said, wukila ilayh. That thing will be put in charge of them. If something other than Allah is put in charge of you, what's the result? It will be destruction. It will be destruction. For subhanAllah, this, this goes to show that this thing is prohibited. To, to be attached or to attach something besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is an act of, an act which is clearly prohibited. وَرَوَى الْإِمَامُ أَحْمَدَ عَنْ رُوَيْفِعَ رَضِيَ اللَّهَ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَا رُوَيْفِعَ لَعَلَّ الْحَيَاةَ سَتَطُولُ بِكَ فَأَخْبِرِ النَّاسَ أَنَّ مَنْ عَقَدَ لِحْيَتَهُ أو تقلد وترا أو استنجى برجيع دابة أو عظم فإن محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بريء منه. That Ahmed reports the tradition of Ruwayfa رضي الله عنه who said that Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said, "O Ruwayfa, it may be that you will live a longer time after me. So inform people that whoever ties a knot in his beard, or places any string or cord around the neck as a charm, or cleans himself after going to the toilet with animal dung or bone." then Muhammad has disowned him or has nothing to do with him. Ruwayfa, uh, this is the name of the Sahabi, Ibn Thabit al-Ansari. And subhanAllah, they said in his, in his seerah, there's a place called Barqa and Tarablus. Barqa and Tarablus. And these were wilayat in what's called, what was known back then as, as, as Al-Maghrib. Al-Maghrib is yani, yani what they call now Tunisia and Algeria and Libya and all those areas. It was called Al-Maghrib, it was one area. For he was, subhanAllah, he was the ruler of, of Barqa and, and Tarablus. Yani these were areas. I think Tarablus is still like a city in, in Libya at the moment. And subhanAllah, he conquered. He, he was like the, the, the leader of the conquering army of, of what was called Ifriqiya. 
Africa is not Africa today. It, Africa was known as what, what they call today as Libya, the general area of Libya. He conquered this country and he, يعني, Islam came under that, and he died in the year 56 after the Hijrah of the Prophet. He says, Ya This is from Alam al Nubuwa. This is from Alam al the signs of the Nubuwa, that he knew that Rawayfa was going to live a long life. Who could have told him this? But only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have told him this. He said, Ya Rawayfa, maybe your life will be a bit long. I know he's hinting that it will be a bit long. He said, You're going to see a, a bunch of people that after me, what are they going to do? Man that he has a lihya, the lihya in the times of the Arabs, it was the most honorable thing. They never used to touch their lihya, the Arabs, in the jahiliya. For the lihya was a very honorable thing amongst the, amongst the Arabs. And they used to do it, they said, aqada lihyatahu, that means they used to tie rings or coils in their beard. And subhanAllah, they said that there's many reasons why they used to do this. All of them are forbidden. All of them are forbidden. They said the first one, مثلاً, yeah, subhanAllah, they used to do it out of arrogance. For the, the, the leader of the tribe, he would be known by what? By the ties in his beard, by in his lihya. It was a form of arrogance, kibr. They used to do it kibran. For this one is prohibited clearly. Or that they would, subhanAllah, they say, min at-ta'annuth. Min at-ta'annuth, you know, to, to beautify themselves or to make themselves more feminine, essentially. They used to do this as well. And they said they even used to do this, if someone was very, very, very good looking, مثلاً, they would, يعني, the beauty of the man would be known by his lihya. And sometimes they would, مثلاً, they would يعني, mess their beard up a little bit so that the beauty of the person could go so that no harm, no one would give them evil ayn. If he was مثلاً, رجلٌ وسيم, if he was مثلاً, a very handsome man, he would mess up his beard and tie it up so that no one could say that no evil eye, no evil eye could go on him. Could go on him. And this is also batil. The third one is, مثلاً, they used to tie their beards when they used to do salah. This one in Islam, and to tie the beard or to tie the hair when you pray, this is forbidden. This is forbidden. You should let your hair flow and you should let your beard flow. It is not allowed to tie your beard during the salah. For all of these are acts which are forbidden. For whatever reason they are. He said, man aqada lihyatahu and then the shahid from the hadith, aw taqallada wataran. Aw taqallada wataran. That means they wore a watar. We've taken a watar. Watar was the string of the bow. Whether they put it on themselves or whether they put it on there on their animals, and they wore it as a necklace, taqallud, yani they wore it as a necklace, essentially. And they wore it as a form of what? As a form of averting evil. أو استنجى برجيع دابة أو عظم Or, يعني أكرمكم الله, after they, يعني back in the day, subhanAllah, when they used to, subhanAllah, clean themselves after going to the, يعني defecating or urinating, they would clean themselves, مثلا, with, with the leaves or with pieces of wood or, or stone or whatever it may be. And the Prophet ﷺ, he forbade, مثلا, the dung, يعني the rajia of the dabba, يعني the, the, the dung of the animal after it has been dried. They could have used it, مثلا, for fire or they could use it for whatever. He said it is forbidden to use this or to use bone, the bone of the animal, to clean yourself afterwards. Because they said, يعني the, the rajia of the dabba is the food of the of the baha'im of the jinn. Yani the cattle of the jinn, this is what they eat. And the azam, the azam is the food of the jinn. The azam, the bone, is the food of the jinn. For this is why they said it is prohibited. But the, the shahid from the hadith is man, ta, man taqallada wataran. And then he says, فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا بَرِيءٌ مِّنْهُ That the Prophet wasallam has disowned him or disassociated from him. Yani he has nothing to do with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is what they said, this is how one of the classifications, how do we classify a kabira, one of the major sins, 
How do we classify it? Masalan, if, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns that there is a severe torment, and one of them is what? If Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is buried from this fi'il. If the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is what? It disavows from this, from this fi'il, or it disassociates from this fi'il. This is a sign that it is what? From one of the kaba'ir. It shows that it is one of the kaba'ir. And then the general meaning of the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu informed Ruwayfi that he would live a long life until he witnessed a group of people who would go against his teachings by committing certain forbidden acts. They would twist their beards into ringlets or coils. They would wear necklaces or attach them to animals for the sake of averting anticipated harm. Or they would, thirdly, they would cleanse themselves by using forbidden objects such as animal dung or bone. The Prophet ﷺ entrusted Ruwayfa with the task of informing these people that their Prophet ﷺ would disassociate from those who dare to commit such acts. And then the relevance of the hadith to the chapter. Yani we join with this hadith with the other hadith. Sah? Man taqallada wataran. Taqallada wataran is a form of what? Is a form of tamima. What is the other narrations of a tamima? Yes? Man ta'allaqa tamimatan faqad. Ashrak, they have committed shirk. Inna ruqa wa tamaima wa tiwalata. Shirk. So we join all of these ahadith together. Even though it does not specifically say shirk, we join the ahadith all together and we know that this ruling is if the Prophet sallallahu why is he buried from this fi'l? Why does he disassociate from this fi'l? Why? Especially taqallada watara because it's a form of shirk. We know that it is a form of shirk. And again, it, it differs whether it's major shirk, shirk akbar or shirk asghar depending on on the intention of the person, why they hung this tamima on their thing. Was it subhanAllah because they believed that the tamima itself would bring about good or avert itself? Then this is major shirk. This is major shirk. And if it was minor shirk, then they, they took this cause, this sabab, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not make a sabab. For this one is minor shirk. For here the shaykh is mentioned two, two athar. He's mentioned two athar. Essentially it revolves around Waqiya ibn Jarrah. Waqiya ibn Jarrah is a great scholar of the Tabi'a Tabi'in. So the first one, he narrates this, this Athar, the first Athar that he narrates, he narrates it of Sa'id ibn Jubayr. He was one of the great scholars of Tabi'in. So that means Waqi'a ibn Jarrah was what? Tabi'a Tabi'in, sent, mashallah. Tabi'a Tabi'in. And he narrates the Athar, Man qata'a tamimatan min insanin kana ka'adli raqaba. That whoever cuts an amulet or a talisman from anyone, it would be equal to liberating a slave. Alright, so this athar, yani if you know about hadith, it was yani, uh, recorded by Ibn Abi Shayba in his Musannaf, and it was also recorded by Waqih himself in his book Al-Jami'ah. Uh, this athar is da'if, because what's he saying? That whoever cuts an amulet or a talisman from anyone, it would be equal to liberating, and yani the reward will be equal to liberating a slave. But this is the athar, isn't it? It stops at who? It stops at Sa'id ibn Jubayr. Whenever, let's take this as a principle, whenever we're talking about ajr, whenever we're establishing ajr, or we're establishing iqab, yani reward or punishment, this needs to go back to who? It needs to go back to the Prophet because this is from Umur al-Ghayb. This is from Umur al-Ghayb. That means this only can be revealed to the Prophet I mean, the, the qawl of the Sahabi or the qawl of the Tabi'i is not acceptable in this case. It's not acceptable in this case. But this is why this, this, uh, this athar is, is da'if. And like we said, if he includes a, an athar which is da'if, he usually, the athar, if you notice the, the way of the author, he always includes the athar at the end of the chapter. So he includes all the ayat and then he does the ahadith and then he includes the athar. 
So there's lots of ahadith which are يعني, along these lines. If we took away this ahad, it's sufficient. But we include it because of the amana ilmiyyah. That means the shaykh involved it, we're going to discuss it, inshallah. And then quickly, we just يعني, discuss the general meaning of the athar. Although the athar is weak, it affirms that whoever removes a tamima or an amulet attached to someone will be rewarded as if they have released a person from the bondage of slavery. A person wearing an amulet is a slave to it by the obedience of the shaytan in wearing it. By removing it, they will become free from the bondage of the shaytan's polytheistic insinuations. He, he said the ones who hangs the tamima is like they are abd. They are abd to the shaytan. The shaytan is the one who is telling them to wear this. For when you cut it off, when you cut it off, that means it's like you've freed a slave. But this is yani, problematic. Right? If you cut this tamima off the person, has the attachment gone from their heart? But the attachment might still be there. They might get rid of this one and they might, if the attachment is still there, they might hang it up again, subhanAllah. Another one. What's the difference, subhanAllah? For you haven't removed the attachment from their heart, subhanAllah. You may have removed the tamima, but you may not have removed that attachment from their heart. And then, يعني, relevance of the athar to the hadith, يعني, يعني, provided that it, it's, that it was sahih, counts يعني, releasing a person from the bondage of shirk, the same as the person releasing them from يعني, the real slavery. For subhanAllah, يعني, like we said, يعني, the, 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 the rewards they only attributed to the Prophet And then the second athar he mentions, وَلَهُ عَنْ إِبْرَاهِيمِ كَانُوا يَقْرَهُونَ التَّمَائِمَ كُلَّهَا مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ وَغَيْرِ الْقُرْآنِ وَلَهُ it was Waqi who recorded it and he reported from Ibrahim and Nakhi that they used to dislike every type of amulets and talismans whether they contained the verses of the Quran or anything else. And the first verse says, Walahu, Walahu, that means this was also reported by Waqi. And then Ibrahim and Nakhi, Ibrahim, this Ibrahim here, when they say Ibrahim, subhanAllah, this man, he was a great alim. How many Ibrahim have passed in, in the history of Islam, subhanAllah? How many Ibrahims of the scholars themselves? But in the mustalah of the muhaddithin, whenever you say Ibrahim, it's referring to this one person here, Ibrahim and Nakhai. Ibrahim and Nakhai, this is how much of a great scholar that he was. He was from the Tabi'in. What did Ibrahim, he, he says, كانوا يكرهون, كانوا يكرهون التمائم كلها من القرآن وغير القرآن. Ibrahim and Nakhai reports that the prominent scholars amongst the Tabi'in, كانوا, يعني all the companions of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, remember Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he had the school in Al-Kufa. In Al-Kufa, all his students were there, yes? Ibrahim al-Nakhai was Kufi. He took from the uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the great scholar Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, that Ibrahim al-Nakhai reports that the prominent scholars amongst the Tabi'een considered all forms of amulets as forbidden, even those containing passages from the Qur'an. This is mainly to block the means leading to the introduction of further polytheistic and innovative acts of worship. This is why we said, and all the tama'im, even the ones from the Qur'an, are prohibited because it opens up doors of bid'ah, and it opens up doors of, of shirk. So they said, this is why we cut it off, subhanAllah. This is why we cut it off completely, although it, it, it is from the Qur'an. And the relevance of the athar to the hadith, like we said earlier, subhanAllah. The, the early generations of the salaf, you, you might, don't be deceived here. It's not clear in the English, but in the Arabic, kanu yakrahun. Yakrahun, yes? You say yakrahun. In your mind, when you say yakrahun, what do you, what do you think, subhanAllah? What comes to your mind? What's makruh? That means you'll do it, but you're not going to get, you're not going to get punished for it. But this is not the way that the, the mutaqaddimun used to refer to karaha. This is a very important faida that the early generation, when they say yakrahun, they're actually referring to something which is, which is prohibited. Which is prohibited, completely and utterly prohibited. For they used to prohibit all forms of at-tama'im. All forms of the tama'im. 
whether it's the Quran, and like we said before, if it's from the Quran, that means it's Muharram, and if it is from, يعني, other than the Quran, then it is a form of shirk. Then this is a form of shirk. This is just confirming. This author is confirming the hadith before. The important issues of the chapter. He said the first one, Tafsir al-Ruqa wa-Tama'im, and the second one is Tafsir al-Tiwala. Explanation of al-Ruqa, the incantations, and amulets at-Tama'im, and an explanation of bewitchment, yani at-Tiwala. And this was as preceded. Yani the Sheikh he went, he gave his own explanation, what a Ruqya is, and what a Tamima is, and what a Tiwala is. He, he explained this. And then the third one is, Anna hadhi thalath kullaha min al-shirki min ghayri istithna. Then he, he says that all of the three above mentioned are acts of shirk without exception. And then as the ulama said, This is a bit questionable. Because like we said, that the ruqya can be divided into how many categories? It can be divided into two categories. The one that is permissible, the shari'iyya, and the one which is shirkiyya. So the Sheikh Kakano is saying here that all of them, all the ruqya are shirk. Essentially, that's what his words are. But then he'll come and explain it in the next one. And then he says, all of a, all of a tamima are shirk as well. And this is also questionable. There, some of them are forbidden, not because they're shirk. The ones from the Quran, they're forbidden. But the ones that are not from the Quran, these are definitely shirk. And then without question, absolutely, without any question, all of the tiwala are shirk. All of them are shirk without any exception. And then he says, يعني, reciting a ruqya using words of truth. For seeking protection from evil eye or the scorpion bite is not like shirk. And he mentions here which ones he said, يعني, for seeking protection from the evil eye or from the sting of a scorpion. Because he took this from the hadith, لا إلا من عين أو حمى. Because if you remember this hadith, we said there is nothing more beneficial than the ruqya, يعني, for a ruqya than the one from al ain and for al humma. That ruqya is most beneficial in these particular matters. But the ruqya can be used for anything else, subhanAllah. Even, mathalan, a sihr. Someone who has been, mathalan, uh, يعني, affected by sihr, then a ruqya with al Quran is definitely legislated and allowed and recommended. Al khamisa, an tamimata idha kanat min al Quran, faqad ikhtalaf al ulama'u hal hiya min thalika amla. And then he says the sixth one is. The ulama have different opinions about using the amulets containing the verses of the Qur'an. And like we said, the correct opinion is, is that it is haram. It is forbidden. Why did we say it was haram? Because it opens the door. It opens the door. So we want to close the door. Sadda That means, مثلا, the innovative practices with the Qur'an. Yes, or even shirkiyat. For today they might hang on the Qur'an and tomorrow they'll hang something else. But we close the door and we say that, that, that it is forbidden. As-sadisa. أن تعليق الأوتار على الدواب من العين من ذلك that putting a necklace on animals against the evil eye amounts to committing shirk because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he ordered in the hadith of Abu Bashir al-Ansari that it should be that it should be cut off and then like we said when we combine it with the other narrations we know that it was shirk السابعة الوعيد الشديد على من تعلق وترا على من تعلق وترا what's the وعيد الشديد he said, يعني, anyone tying the bowstring or committing such practices has been warned of severe punishment. For what is this, what is the severe punishment? Anna Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what? Bari'un minhu. Bari'un minhu. Is there something more serious than the Prophet has disassociated himself from them? For this one, when it is major shirk, it is absolutely clear, yes? That Muhammad is bari' minhu. That he has nothing to do with him. He's outside the millah. He's not part of the millah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the question is what? If they hung this watar and it was minor shirk. 
what's the problem? How do we how do we say that Muhammad is buried minhu? This is the problem now. Do you see the problem? How can Muhammad sallallahu be buried minhu? And he's only committed shirk, minor shirk, and he's still inside the fold of Islam. But we say bari'un minhu, yana bari'un min amalihi. Just the amal. That the Prophet is free from the amal. He disassociates himself from this amal if it was minor shirk. It's like when the Prophet he said, Man ghashana falaysa minna. Whoever cheats us is not from amongst us. Does that mean the person who cheats is outside the fold of Islam? No, it means that the person who cheats us is not from the best amongst us. Means their their akhlaq are, yani, are very low, subhanAllah. They're not the best amongst us. This is how we interpret the hadith. The virtue or the reward of a person who cuts off an amulet of someone. And like we said, subhanAllah, the virtue cannot be established except if it was raised up to the Prophet. The statement of Ibrahim and Nakhai that early Muslims used to avoid amulets whether it contained Quranic verse or anything else is not contradictory as the reference here is to the companions of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu And it's essentially what he's saying here that when Ibrahim and Nakhai he said that they used to you know, they prohibited all the all the tama'im it doesn't mean that this goes contradictory to the ikhtilaf. Some of the ulama said it's allowed and some of them said it, it's not allowed. For Ibrahim al-Nakhai is, is quoting the scholars who said what? He's quoting that of those of Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, what did he say? That all the tama'im are forbidden. For he's quoting that side of the ikhtilaf. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tuhulaik wa jazakumullah khair.